Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. By now, either you have or know someone who's been downsized, fired, or just run out of career options and has been put between a rock and a hard place, left with only one option, and that is to make a change. But it's not just that simple, is it? We often try to hold on to what was, even when we know it's gone, and find that our attempts to move forward only leaves us obsessed with trying to correct our past and neglecting to take our present by the reins and forge a future from our true purpose that makes us tap into our real passion and do the very thing we were born to do. All you need to do is Settle down. Be still for a moment. Listen to your heart's passion and a measure of truth. Comment Herring, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. 
Well, Tom, that, you you have definitely gone through a number of transitions <laughs> over the course of uh, us hosting you on the radio program. And just tell us a little bit about your new endeavor and, and why you found the need for starting this um, Transform to Transcend. Well, actually, Michael, Transform to Transcend stems way back to 1990 with me. It, I didn't call it that then. It, it just recently evolved into a trademark for my organization. And so it's transformed to transcend, transforming people to transform the world. Now, what I would do back in the 1990s, at, at coming out of a theater background uh, from Rutgers University, one of the things that uh, my passion is theater. And one of the things that I did was I started to use the theater movement workshop and translate that in a way to and take it into organizations like uh, alternative schools and um, churches and colleges and, and even prisons. And it was a methodology, I call this Transform to Transcend, a methodology for evolving, uh, conducting these training sessions. And so if you look at the words transform, transform means to change the nature or condition of a person, place, or thing. And then transcend means to go beyond one's limits or to exceed. Mm-hmm. And so when you mix that together and then you build this workshop with uh, a couple of different concepts, the focus is on exploration of self-awareness through movement, improvisation, organization, observation, analysis, uh, discovery, and then sharing in a group setting Um, Wonderful things happen. So we use this almost as a catalyst for change. And so we find ourselves today in a multitude of having to change with the budgets and with with cutbacks. We find ourselves now gathered around our computers looking for jobs. And this was a prime time for me to, to think about what did I do back then when it came to affecting lives and transforming people. And it was getting in, sharing there may be something I know. There may be something they know. We can observe each other's behavior. behavior. We can learn from each other and then, then be able to improve our lives, go from where we are to transform and ultimately transcend our current situation. So that, time, you're, you're not just standing on a box and, you know, speaking to the air. There is a lot of people who have been flocking to you. And tell us where and why these people are coming to you and, and, you know, hearing this message and attaching themselves to it and sort of getting themselves out of the the rut that they're in now. Tell us a little bit about the the story of the person and how this impacts them. Well, you know, it's amazing. When you you say the story of the person, you must be talking about my story. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way to to do that, Michael. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, so... So recently going through a trans- transition myself, um, winning, winning a multi-billion dollar deal and not expecting to be laid off, then all of a sudden finding yourself in that position and you find yourself, you know, sitting in your car at the end of the day after being walked out and, being, and, and, and just sitting there for a moment with your own thoughts and having to think now, what do I do? And then I found it's amazing how the universe will bring people around you that have similar challenges. And so people start calling me from all over. Even while I was in, you know, conflict and 
controversy and trying to figure out what just happened to me, people start calling me saying, hey, listen, can you pray for me because I just got laid off? Or uh, do you have any words of encouragement, Tomnett, because I really need some help. I don't know what to do at this point. And they're paralyzed because of fear. And so it became very easy to talk from a place in which you know. So I can say, well, I'll tell you, same thing happened to me, and here's what I'm doing. And so it became a sharing, a sharing of where do we go from here, what did I do, what am I doing to improve myself, to transition myself, and then to transcend myself. Because this is not going to be where we come to stay. This is just what we're going through. And so I try to get people to understand that as they call me and ask, how do I get past this point? Right, right. And that point is is a, a lot of folks out there who not only had been uh, comfortable and accomplished in their careers, still found themselves um, in the same position as the low man on the totem pole, so to speak. And all of those things were they assumed that they could just go back out into the workforce and, you know, make a parallel change, found that they had to, you know, do quite the opposite, start from scratch. And um, what what was it in you that made you decide that this was no longer the time to continue to just chase, you know, a new job prospects, but to start your own and to dig deep enough to find out what your life's passion is and pursue that? Well, you know, there is a point, I think, uh, Michael, in everyone's growing career as they mature, Uh, that you have to ask yourself the question, uh, what am I really here to deliver? What is my passion? Not just what am I good at, Mm -hmm. but what what is my passion? Because I believe if we really explore that passion, we'll get a very clear understanding of what our gifts are. And then if we just sit down, steal ourselves, as we say, You know, as you said early on, just feel yourself and ask yourself a different question. Not just, who can I go to work for, but what do I have in me that I can create that I've been given as a gift to give back, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a different question. And when you start answering that question, your perspective changes, how you Mm -hmm. view things. Because there is a point at which, you know, you need to have your own. You need to. And you need to think about it. You need to explore that. Mm-hmm. So this, that, this is that time for, for many of us. And we've had to reinvent ourselves in order to move forward. And, and even those of us who are, um, quote, unquote, employed and comfortable, you know, um, we really need to start thinking about if this ever happens to us, that plan B, so to speak, or either that to, to find a way to transition this either through your your retirement plans for yourself or either just finding what you will do if things were to fall apart at this point. Because no one's safe anymore, not in the government, um, not in private industry, and even if you have your own business. I mean, you know, you could lose clients and that could change the whole dynamic of your business. So all of these things are factors that I think people really need to look at and not say to themselves, oh, I won't be in that position or that won't happen to me because, you know, I've just got two years to retirement and I'm good, you know. So this is something I think that everyone should be aware of. And I think that's why this topic itself is is so important, especially in today's economy, for, for everyone to really 
consider, you know, what their true passions in life are and what they could do other than the job that they have been working for and comfortable in for a time. I think, Michael, we are in an economy now where we can't be comfortable. I mean, even in the federal government, as I I go about, uh, you know, talking to vendors and talking to government people and trying to wicker deals together and all that stuff, I can tell you that the landscape has grossly changed. And we have have to commit to a process of evolution, always. Mm -hmm. We can't comfortable we can't we we cannot afford to be comfortable anywhere and so even and yes even in our own endeavors we can't be comfortable we always have to look to what's next in our evolution and sometimes you have to go left to go right we have mm. to this. Mm-hmm. wow and, and you brought quite a few people um with you to share some of your experiences with them as as well as what they have, you know, gone through and have to share with others as well. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our, our first. Absolutely. A- absolutely. That's Dr. Ella Brown Hughes, one of my mentors for life <laughs> and just happens to be my uh, sister as well. <laughs> All right. Dr. Ella Brown Hughes, welcome to A Measure absolutely. of Truth. Hi, Michael. How are you? I am good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about, um, so in this situation where Tomette was making uh, another transition, were you a shoulder to cry on, or did you also have your own experience as well to transition well, I, through? Yeah, well, I hear her stories because of the fact that they're, they're always the most phenomenal things that happen to her. But you know what? What I say is this. The higher you go up, the bigger the, bigger the issues sometimes you face. So as she, she moved up the ladder, the corporate ladder, of course, you know you've got just as many tragedies happening, even greater. The more you go up, the greater those challenges are. And so, of course, I've listened to, you know, many times and she's had to go through hurdles. And then I myself, only this time I myself was going through some hurdles. And so kind of tried to go through it because I've been going through it for almost, well, just about a year now. So, uh, but yes, I have had my challenges, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's interesting because have you heard this um, this term overqualified? Here, here you have your doctorate, and um, when you go out into the workforce, um, people automatically expect you to assume that you would be at a certain level, so to speak, because of what you've already attained. Has that Mm -hmm. been also? Yes, you know, Michael, well, just a bit of my background. I worked at Rutgers University for about 28 years, Mm -hmm. but I had planned my life so that when I did leave Rutgers, I'd have something to fall back on, and that something happened to be real estate. So I invested in real estate, um, pretty. I, I kind of scheduled myself because at that particular time, about five years before I retired, I knew that I wanted to have an income. So I started getting into real estate, got my license and that kind of thing. But I did that for one key purpose, and that was to make sure that I knew how to manage properties because I certainly was going to move in the direction of getting them so that that would be my resource to, to, to fall back on. And sure enough, I left Rutgers, I retired, and I had my nice, you know, a nice little cushy, um, you know, income coming in from my, my houses. 
but then I, I decided that what I should do is begin to give back. And there was an organization that my former hu- husband had. It was called the God Squad. And under that umbrella, I used, you know, because I graduated from seminary. And what I decided to do was to then use God Squad because at that time he had kind of walked away from it and he said that if I wanted to have that, he would certainly turn that over to me, and he did. That was prior to his passing. And uh, I then took it and I figured what I would do is take it to another level. And, of course, Mm -hmm. since I was in housing, housing would certainly be ideal for what I wanted to do as far as God Squad was concerned. So under the umbrella, I started the program called Belmont Homes. It was housing for those people who were displaced and those individuals who were homeless. And mm. started dealing with the, the um, board of it, not board of social services in Burlington County and started moving in a pretty decent direction. And, and was doing that maybe for riding smoothly for, I would say, about seven years. Always knowing that, and this is part of where your transform to transcend begins. Because you're always in a process, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're always in a process of looking for possible connections and links to what you do, to either enhance what you do or to make some changes, tweak it, make it better, you you know, begin to build on some type of computer, dealing with some kind of computerized ways of doing things. you're, You're looking at technology different. How can I use that in what I do? So things, you're always trying to find different ways. But sometimes what we don't count on is the influence of people who don't necessarily want us there for whatever reason. So we are going to face, and this is one of the things that I'd like to share because I know a lot of people who've lost jobs or who are in the same kind of situation as me, soon find out that everybody's not always going to understand or appreciate what you're trying to do. And I remember sitting in a meeting after all this stuff it started happening to me because I kind of gotten attacked by someone who really doesn't or still doesn't want me in the business, but it doesn't matter because this is where I'm supposed to be and I will stay here. But one of the questions I was asking when I went to a conference to talk to somebody about what was happening to me, I said, well, someone here, please tell me, in the middle of the meeting, just wait, just one thing I'd like to know, what do you do with enemies? Hmm. <laughs> so, and and that's, that, the question, and I remember, I remember the uh, pastor saying, he said, well, we just pray for them. So I, I said, okay, that sounds good. But there is a way to deal with that. And, um, and I think that uh, because the hurt of it all is a, for you, because I think getting over it is getting over the hurt of mm-hmm. it all. The the audacity, the insult, knowing what you've given and what you what you have and how, how you pour yourself out and just the insult of all of it, it just hurts. So I think as we all transition, one of the main pieces we feel when we walk away is hurt, disappointment. For all I've done, this is what I get. You know, the nitpicking, mm-hmm. the... And I think that's what we all endure as we go. And it doesn't have to be to transforming to transcend here. It could be divorce. It could be anything like that that's the letdown. So mm. I think that that's number one. Mm-hmm. I think that's the number one thing of trying to live it down, the hurt. Yeah, I guess that's important. That That's really where you start to turn the corner is because mm. you, you you have to deal with some things first. 
and um, and then you can tap into you know your your true talents and the things that you think that you'd really like to do that would fulfill you, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you can't begin to see that if you're still bitter and resentful right. about the position right. you're in. So that's yeah, right. that, that, that's very true. And um, we have some other people on the line as well. And uh, I think we've got a Danny James on and Nakia Garnett. We're going to get to them as well. And um, Tomette, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Georgiana, and we'll bring her on. Okay, well, Georgiana Wea is one of my uh, little sisters, I refer to her. <laughs> um, but this is, she's a dynamo. She's, I can't wait to see what happens with her life as she continues to evolve. Uh, but she has gone through and in, in the process of transition. And so I'd like to go ahead and bring on my friend and sister, Georgia, Georgiana. We are. Good evening, Georgi- <laughs> Georgiana, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Good evening to you guys, and thanks for having me on the call. I really appreciate it. Well, we're glad to have you. So tell us a little bit about your story. Well, um, a little bit about my story. Um, well, a little bit about me as well. My background, um, it's been 16 years in sales and a little over 10 years um, within the field of marketing, public relations, and human resources. And currently at the time, I was working um, as a recruiter, um, an educational recruiter, and recruiting students um, to come to school and um, to empower them to further their education and, um, you know, make some changes in their life. They were tired of, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired and they were seeking out information and so I was able to assist them with um, figuring out their new, their next step in life and what it is they wanted to do um, in the educational realm. And um, I had been with the company for a while and I actually just, you know, en- enjoyed making a difference in people's lives because, you know, that's something I'm really passionate about, making a profound difference in the world you know, empowering and inspiring people, especially our um, our women and our youth to become entrepreneurs. And so it was a good fit with what I was doing at the time, um, you know, but they just felt that even though I was great and I was positive and, um, and I brought so much to the table that um, I guess it just, you know, wasn't um, hitting the numbers, you know. And so at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they, they had to make a decision that regardless of my character, my personality, and everybody enjoying me, at the end of the day, it came down to the numbers. And so, you know, one of the things they would say, they were like, well, you know, definitely if you ever want to use us as a reference or give you our personal information, you can use us as a point of reference and you're fabulous and we have all these great things that were said about you and the company knows this, but at the end of the day, it's a numbers game and you didn't meet the numbers and so we had to let you go. And so, you know, you know they, they, I'm familiar with knowing that, you know, there's a blessing in disguise and everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, and I'm a true and firm believer that, you know, the good and the bad, it always works together for your good. And so I was able to reach out to Tomette, um and being that she was already experiencing that, I was able to go to her as a resource just to get some information and, you know, what's the next step? Where do I go? You know, but I'm grateful for this opportunity because instead of being bitter about it, I chose to be better and to really, you know, look within myself to find out who I am as a person, you know, what mm-hmm. brings me joy, what brings me passion, you know, and through this, you know, transition time, I'm, you know, in this soul searching, I'm really being able to, you know, realize that I love people. Like, I truly, mm-hmm. truly, truly love people, celebrating them, promoting for them, encouraging them. 
Um, and just really developing them, be it like spiritual, personal, professional, just having loads of fun with them. And so, you know, from my experience of what I did in the past, I was seeing you know a lot, um, and being that I've been getting a lot of confirmation that maybe your sweet spot is dealing with people and promoting and educating and developing and training, maybe you should look into that. And so I just came to the realization that I'm going to focus on me and creating, you know, what it is I'm passionate about. And that's, you know, within the field of public relations and marketing and mm. um, creating a public relations and marketing firm. Like I'm just focused on wanting to create a paradigm shift in the way PR and marketing is done. And so I'm just looking forward to creating infinite possibilities. I don't know what it's going to look like, but, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes, quotes by Martin Luther King Jr. is that, you know, just take the first step. You don't have to see the entire staircase, but just take the first step. And so that's what I'm doing. So thank you for having me on the call. I really appreciate it. Wow, wow. Love your energy. Can I inject for a second? (laughs) Sure, sure. Georgie Georgie just uh, brought up uh, something quite interesting, and and I I captured a few thoughts uh, in mind in reference to the beauty of transition. So I'll just share it real quick and, and, and let you go ahead. Here's the beauty that I found in transition. When you have that time to separate yourself, whether you choose to or whether you've been made to, the beauty is that you are free to contemplate. You are free to set new goals. You are free to establish priorities. And you are free to address your fears. Uh, you are free to establish your dreams. And ultimately, you are free to act. Back at you, Michael. Mm, okay. That's great. And, um, Georgiana, um, I'm sure Tom had a lot of words of wisdom for you, but tell us a little something that really stuck with you that helped you to really, um, you know, put you on the right path, so to speak, to to be able to focus and to see a new vision for your your career. I'm sorry, say that one more time. I didn't understand. What was one of the things you said that um, Tomette gave you some advice on? Anything in particular sticks out as something that really helped you that you were able to to put into your mind to be able to focus on and to move forward? Right. I think it was just being grateful, you know, just being Mm -hmm. able to be grateful for this time, you know. And like I said, everything happens for a reason and um, just, you know, and like with all things, good or bad, just being grateful and thanking God you know, because everything works together for your good. And so being that I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer, I said, you know, I took heed of that. So just being open and she shared her story and saying, you know, you're not the only one. You know, there are millions or hundreds of thousands of other individuals within your same shoes. And then she also shared with me about, you know, how others were able to take, um, I guess, this, you know, take this, um, what is maybe like this opportunity, you know, instead of it looking at it as a defeat and turn it into something great, something, mm. you know, powerful and positive, you know, and she ha- and she knows individuals, you know, that were able to say, you know, I was once employed and now I'm a, you know, um, a business owner or I'm a multimillionaire. And so if they were able to do it, I said, you know what, then I can do it. So let me start taking time and reflecting and looking at what it is what I want. What brings me joy and um, and move forward and knowing that I will have her and I'll have other friends and family, you know, and their support um, whenever I get stuck or feel like quitting or throwing in a towel and being that she's already been there, done that, 
um, and she's still on this journey. Um, so it was. I think it was more so just being grateful and just letting me know that um, she had my back. Wow. Wow. And Tom Mitt, you know, we've got quite a few more folks to go. Uh, I think I have someone on. I think Danny James. Um, is that correct? That sounds or, right. I, Danny James? Uh, yeah. He, is he on? I think yeah, so. Dan, Danny James, you're here. Okay, welcome to A Measure yeah, Truth. Danny. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, Tom Mitt, tell us a little bit about Danny. And Danny, just be on standby. We'll get right into you. You know what, okay. I met Danny, uh, thank you, Michael. I, I met Danny at a procurement conference, and it was we were sitting in the uh, women-owned small business portion breakout session for that, and there was a question in reference to doing international work, and Danny was sitting behind me. And when he jumped up to ask his question at the mic uh, and talking about how do we continue to do international business, what, do, what are the steps that we need to take to do that as a uh, federal contractor, you know, it drew my attention and, you know, that's always been a passion of mine. So with that said, nobody can talk about Danny the way Danny can. So I'm going to go ahead and pass to my brother, Danny James. Go ahead, Danny. <laughs> okay, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about me and where I come from, um, I think the hardest defeat from a transition standpoint was to transition from the military to, you know, everyday life out here as a civilian. And at the same point, attempting to establish your own business. So I spent uh, 22 years in the military, um, and most of my military time I spent away from the flagpole. And what I mean by that, you never had a boss directly over you. They were either in another country, another state, or something mm -hmm. like that. So you have to kind of defend for yourself. So a lot of things I've learned, uh, you know, to be more independent, to be able to control and run things was through my military career. So uh, as an Army officer, I retired lieutenant colonel. I, um, I decided when it was time to go, I wanted to go out on the best foot forward. So prior to my retirement, I started planning for it. Based upon that, I decided that I needed or wanted to get into the acquisition field. So you have to do some pre-planning to make all that happen. Uh, so once I got in the acquisition field, that was part of my transition. So my transition actually started close to eight years or seven years before I retired. I know that's kind of like... You know, you, you you start planning your retirement very early, but I understood mm -hmm. what it was that I wanted to do, um, so I made sure that I was in the right position once I retired. So once I retired, I was in the acquisition field. The government spends a lot of money. Um, the government, uh, they, they provided a lot of training for me to ensure that I spent the money correctly. So I wanted to utilize those skills that the government spent you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on me to use on the outside to benefit what it was that I wanted to do. Um, so I kind of maximized, you know, what the government had to offer for the transition that I, I am now involved in. So I retired and I started a, uh, a company that provided assistance to companies that wanted to do business with the government. It is the federal government. A lot of times, you put the federal government on top of anything. No one wants to deal with it because they have no idea how the government operates. But 
I realized that being a contracting officer, a lot of people didn't know how to do business with me. They tried, but they just didn't understand. So I felt the need to provide more assistance, and mainly to the, the small, medium-sized companies that had no idea how to do business with me. So I established a consulting company, and I added a twist to the word consultant. It's more like coach, sultan. That's the name of it oh. um, that I added. Mm-hmm. And I did that because it's more information and application. Information mm-hmm. is that I can tell you what to do. Application is I actually do it for you. So this is a more detailed type of consultant service. Uh, but the biggest problem, I don't want to call it a problem, but the biggest hurdle that I had transitioning was being able to adapt to what the world, at least the civilian world, had coming my way. We in the government, we operate, let me talk about the military, we operate from a standard condition standpoint, task condition and standard. And uh, based upon those things, that's how we move the organization, the Army, or whatever the case may be. And I realized that through my transition, there wasn't a clear defined task or condition or standard. It wasn't clearly defined. So if it's not clearly defined, you don't know exactly what you're there to do. So that was somewhat of a of, of a hurdle to me to clearly understand the task, condition, and standard. So in being that, I said I have to create my own because if it was mm-hmm. going to be very difficult for me to adjust or adapt to what the civilian world had to me, then I have to create my own, and that's what I did. So you for know, the last... And- Eight years, that's what I've been doing. Yes, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say there's always success in in being creative and trying to uh, fix a system that doesn't seem to suit because you're not the only one that's feeling that, that's in that situation. You find that when you do that, you find a solution that there's others that could also benefit, and and that in itself creates a, um, a new workflow process that, again, you know, can be a new source of income. And it seems Absolutely. like you you followed not only your knowledge and wisdom, but, again, you were just saying things a sort of a certain way in the military, but in the um, corporate world, you, you've got some other options out there, and you had to develop systems to be able to do business in these new ways, but still using your Absolutely. background and your education um, to be able yeah. to um, have the knowledge to do that. And, and and that right. is powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's for him to transcend, Michael. I'm just saying. <laughs> and, you know, and, and another another point, Danny, um, that you made was that you said that they paid a lot of money for the training, and there are a lot of right. people out there that have received training, or either that they just really need to see that there's an opportunity for them to receive, you know, right. thousands of dollars in training for free. Mm-hmm that, you know, they should take advantage of, regardless of whether or not you see it in the role that you are now, everything that's offered to you, you should take advantage of and and look at it as going to college for free or or getting free training because that's exactly what it is. So, yeah. And that that was part of uh, the whole transition process, you know, and I'm talking about it from a military standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as you're in the military, the government will train you. 
uh, it, it, you've got to take the initiative to go out there and, 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 and step out there and say, I will go to that training. I will get that certification, you know. Mm-hmm. And because once you get it, you can take it with you. But if you don't, exactly. education is, is very key. If you have it, they can't come back and say, well, you know, we're going to take that away from you. You know, you still have it. It's in your, it's in your mental capacity. So uh, that, you know, being able to use the tools that the government had, and now, I mean, she shared a little bit about this international piece. I stepped out there from an international standpoint because I understood what the what the what the problems that the government was having internationally. So I created a strategic partnership alliance with international companies for federal government contracts. So that's working out really well. So it's adapting to the situation. Uh, but the best thing about adapting to the situation is really understanding the situation. Mm-hmm. Because if you have the facts about whatever's going on, you can make adjustments. But if you don't have the facts about it, you start mm-hmm. making adjustments from a transition standpoint. You may be adjusting in the wrong direction. So mm-hmm. gather the facts about everything that's going on. And then once you gather the facts about things that are going on, then you can make the, the, the necessary adjustments. And, and it's interesting because you started planning pretty early. And you would have thought that you would have had everything figured out by the time you were ready to to make that move. But again, you still found that you had to make adjustments and um, you were doing all the right things. But then you had a plan, too. So there there wasn't a hiccup that was going to throw you off of your your track. And and I think that that's very important. And and not all of us are that disciplined, but we we really (laughs) need to get focused when it comes to uh, making that transition, because it's a game that we can't lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great. Well, that's an awesome story. And um, I, I think I've heard quite a bit about you, actually, from Tomette. Because <laughs> we have conversations <laughs> quite a bit. And, yeah, she's, she's bragged on you a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, you know, I've got a long ways to go. I've, I've, I've got a mm-hmm. pretty good business model. And, um, and I work with a lot of kids to help them to kind of, even transition from their age to where they need to get to. I mean, so therefore, it's a growth growth process and making sure that you have all the information you need to make the right decisions. But uh, when she and I was talking about this whole transition, and I was sharing with her some of the challenges that I've had with transition from the military, and I talked to a lot of military people trying to transition. It's difficult. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's been very difficult for them, you know, enlisted as well as officers. So, um you know, we are accustomed to a way of life, a way of living, and once you step out here in the corporate world, it's just different, and some people uh, can adapt and some people can't can adapt. It's, it's an ongoing challenge for a lot of military people to transition and, and to be received a certain way as well, you know. Yeah, A lot of absolutely. people think the military is strictly, you know, you know, you know artillery, you know, fighting, Infantry? No, it's not. I mean, we've got some of the best qualified people there is, even from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people look at them in a certain way, and they won't accept them sometimes for the knowledge that they have. So it is mm-hmm. a challenge from a, from a military standpoint. Mm-hmm. But the government uh-huh. has a lot of programs out there to support the military in their transition. So. You know, um and again, that's another great point about, um, you know, making that leap. Uh, I guess a lot of the folks 
that you were doing business with were used to doing business with the military, and then you went out into the corporate world where you were, you know, doing business with people who didn't necessarily um, have right. that structure or were not familiar with that structure, and you created right. your own. And you started right. also consulting based on that to help other people to do more business with, I guess, even with folks who are looking for military contracts. Is that a part of right. what you did as well? Yeah, and, yes, and it seems like a natural flow. I mean, you just really looked yes. at everything that was wrong and thought of a way to fix right. it. And exactly. um, and I, I think that's... Yeah, go ahead. So, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you took all of your hurdles and you made them into a doorway of some sort to be able to continue. And uh, that, that, that was pretty awesome. That's pretty much it. Um, as a contracting officer, you're dealing with all these companies that are wanting these huge multi-billion dollar contracts with the government. And of course, they understand the government structure, they understand the organization, so they have to make their company look like a government contractor. So those right. companies that had the ability to do that and had the funds to do that could easily do it. Small, medium-sized company couldn't make those huge adjustments to become what they call the DOD contractor. You know? mm. so, um, they come to me as I was a contracting officer, and I did my best to support them, but at the same time, you as a contracting officer said, okay, if I award this contract to this company, that becomes a risk, so you have to do a risk assessment, high risk, moderate risk, low risk. And best of all, you want to make sure it's low risk, but the company's got to be in a position to win these contracts. So as you... You know, as you gather all this information as a contracting officer, you understand the problems that the government is having. So now you're in a position to kind of mitigate some of the risk by getting these companies to a level that now mitigate the risk. As long as you can mitigate the risk to a contracting officer, you have a better chance in growing your business. So you're absolutely right. I took all of that knowledge and got on the other side of the desk and said, okay, this is how you're going to do business with the federal government. And this is how you're going to satisfy their requirements. So that transition was very easy because it was all about um, the, the, the expertise or the knowledge that I had about government contracting acquisition. So not if I had to learn that and then jump out there, it, I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't be where I'm at today. But as you said earlier, making that transition and doing that level of work and now saying, okay, I'm going to get out there in the corporate world. I mean, it was easy. That piece was very easy for me because it's just a knowledge transfer. And I was able to um, deal with that fairly easy. But, hey, Michael, uh, you know what well, I hear? Hold on for one second. I just wanted to bring our next guest on. Yeah. And um, I, I believe um, Akia Garnett um, has a company called Brand Builder where she works with um, – you know, new companies and established companies as well to help them to get on the right track, um, to focus on their vision and their mission, and also to be able to um, help people to understand exactly what their presence in the corporate world is for new companies out there. Kia, are you there? I am, Michael. Hello. Oh, very good. A little worried. I saw you disappear and then you came back, so I was a little concerned. But <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Yeah, thank you very much for having me tonight, and, and hello to all your guests this evening as well. 
Yeah, and you've been listening the whole time. I've seen you there, so you've heard some of the stories. And, and just tell us a little bit about your insight. Uh, my insight regarding uh, what they've You know, shared. just about the transition and, and getting out there and reinventing yourself and, and taking uh, the initiative to start that new business and some of the other key factors that someone may want to consider when going that route. Oh, absolutely. Um, from all the things that I heard um, your other guests talk about, the most important part of each of their stories is that there came a point when they began to believe what it was that they wanted and what they saw and from where they were to where they were going. And that's really the first step in trying to brand a compelling story about ourselves. doesn't matter from where we've come, where we're going, how far, how tragic. None of that matters in the beginning. What truly matters in the beginning is that, is that we are truly in belief that what we are saying, where we are going, what we believe we should be doing or could be doing is actually true to our core. And once we can get over that initial hurdle, then we're able to talk to anybody in any audience in any place about anything that has to do with our ability to help them whatever in whatever way that we are gifted and talented to do. And so um, that's, you know, where I may end up spending a considerable amount of time with visionaries is helping them be able to communicate with me in a confident way that they actually believe what it is that they were called to do. Oh, yeah. If you want to call it that, I call it boot camp. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've actually gone through the process this year, and uh, wow, yes. it, it was tough. You have but gone you, through the process. <laughs> yeah, and you squeezed yes. it out of me. <laughs> yes, I'm being politically correct. <laughs> we don't want to scare people, Michael. <laughs> We don't Absolutely. want to scare people. It is pretty. It's pretty, it can be pretty, um, uh, pretty intense. Um, and, and, and to say uh -huh. something to help people to understand, though, how it's so important. Now, when when I first made my first transition out of IT, out of the um, federal government and contracting, I thought that I wanted to connect with people as well. And I actually went through three or four different insurance companies because I thought that this is what I wanted. I wanted somehow to connect and help people. But truly my passion was radio. And, you know, I was so close to the mark in my own mind, but actually I wasn't, you know. And I wasn't doing the thing that would really um, enrich my soul and help me. And, and that's why it's so important, I think, to, to meet with someone or to talk with someone who's an expert in the field in helping you to understand your passion and finding a way to monetize the thing that you would like to do. And, um, and Akia is an expert at that, and uh, I really appreciate the help that you've been able to give me in um, shaping my, my new business ventures as well. So this is what you do every day. So tell us a little bit more about how you go about doing that. Well, I, I am fortunate that I get to determine who I want to work with based upon who I really think is at the place where they're able to grow as they go through the experience. Mm -hmm. There are uh, some uh, visionaries who are really just starting to understand what their calling is or what their gifts and talents are and they may not be at a place where they're truly able to digest the content and the process that I take them through 
And so for them, I have to hold their hand a bit longer before I really take them through what you went through. And, uh, the, and that's what we call vision and mission mapping. Um, from that vision and mission mapping exercise or set of exercises, it really is uh, the uh, experience of communicating what our vision is, what it is that we see, what our mission is, what it is that we do on a daily basis to move us closer toward that thing that's bigger than life, that thing that we were created to do. And there comes a point in that vision and mission mapping experience where the person who is going through it with me begins to defend his or herself. It's very important that this happens because this is, think of it as you're fighting for the right to do what it is that you say that you should be doing with your life. Mm-hmm. And so I dissect that, those sets of statements from a billion different angles to make sure that I'm hearing the same thing from every angle. And the thing that I should be hearing from every angle has to complement what was said in the last sentence, what was said in the last paragraph about where this person is going or why this person feels that his or her talents and gifts are just the thing that's needed to fix the world. The things that I am able to focus on with people who I work with are associated with doing some good for the world. So it's greater than just revenue generation. It's greater than just becoming a millionaire or a billionaire or this wealthy person who can suck up a bunch of real estate and spin it and flip it and all this other stuff. The people that I am fortunate and blessed to work with have a great calling to do something good within society that will change the world, such as your vision, Michael, and uh, your vision to create opportunities for even more people to make their own um, intellectual um, information and, and disseminate it to the world without some of the barriers that we have even today through social media and technology. And so when you decide that you're going to give someone a microphone, any person a microphone who is in perhaps the even lowest area of the socioeconomic, you know, ladder in society, then I want to know why are you doing this? Why have you decided at this time that this is the thing that you should be dedicating your career to? And um, when my clients step over that barrier, that's where the transcending uh, really begins to take place. So the process that I take them through, very similar to what Tomette has talked about with the transformation, is the communicating, the accepting it, the believing it, um, the sharing it, the digging deeper within themselves to understand why they have certain feelings about what it is that they are compelled to do. And I will tell you that in most cases where I'm working with my clients, there is some deep reason as to why they are dedicating their time and talent to this particular issue or thing in society. And most times that thing can go back to childhood, something in childhood that kind of sparked their interest very long ago, but they weren't able to pursue it for whatever reason, maybe economically, or it just wasn't practical, or nobody in the family ever did that, or they just didn't have the education, et cetera. And there comes a time in their life where they feel as if they have girded themselves with the confidence and the strength and the financial wherewithal to pursue that vision that they have, and that's where I come in to help them. 
Wow. <laughs> well, you summed it all up. I didn't even have to ask you any questions. There you go. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. And and it's a phenomenal process. And it's something that um, can ensure success because uh, it, it's a it's a tough enough process to really make someone rethink whether or not they are heading on the right path and, and whether or not they're pursuing their life's passion. And um, I, I was uh, very impressed with um, the whole process, um, the intense process that it is. But that's how serious I think everyone should take a new business venture. You really, really have to know because your, your passion is your fuel. It's your energy that will sustain you through the hard knocks of the process. And if you're not in the right lane, you just won't make it. You'll you'll oh, yeah. fizzle out before it's all over. You won't. If the voice isn't authentic, if the source from where you are you are moving your vision or your mission to market is not authentic, it doesn't hold up. You are not able to build those authentic relationships that truly lead to success on both ends of that um, on of that equation. Uh, the things that you want to see create success for some reason they just never seem to hit the spot for you where you feel as if you are not only generating revenue but you are doing something great and bigger than self. There are you know, many people who may be very successful when it comes to generating revenue but it may not fulfill them at their deepest um, level. And then there are some people who have a great mission and a great vision, but they just can't seem to get the flywheel moving enough so that they can generate the revenue to sustain themselves. What I'm talking about and what I help people do is come to grips with both of them. Okay, you have a great idea. I'm going to help you brand that and make it work, but you also have to make money at the same time. And you have to not be afraid to say that you need to make money. And so uh, there are other instances where people may want to generate revenue, and I have to challenge them and say, well, how is this making you a better person? How is this making society better as a result of what you're doing? And so um, that's, you know, that two-legged concept that we must all keep in mind when we are building our business, not just building something so that we can pay ourselves a nice little piece of change, but also something that is bigger than ourselves, something that contributes toward humankind in a way that is uh, filling a gap that has long been left void. And those are the things that get written about in history books. Those are the people that build a legacy. Those are the people that get talked about on phone calls like we're having today. Uh, It's not the people who uh, just go out and are tycoons uh, but don't really work in a mission. And it's not those who have such a great idea, but they are not able to get the financial backing to really move that vision farther and farther along in the marketplace, but it's those who've learned how to maximize both. Absolutely. And, and, and Tom, at, you, and, yeah, um, I was just getting ready to get back to you. You had a point you wanted to make? Yeah, you know, it, just listening to, you know, Kia and knowing her for many years and even watching her own personal evolution, she's an amazing woman. Amazing woman. And Thank you, Tom Adams. So are you, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. And, mm-hmm. and one of the beautiful things about her business is that she challenges people uh, to not only look at it as, I want to be rich. That's my end goal. That's the end game. That's it. But for what purpose do you want to be rich? And, and that's what her business explores 
that because we're here for more than just to come, visit planet Earth, make a whole bunch of money, and then leave. <laughs> you know, it is truly at, at, at some point in your life, it has to be about your legacy. Mm. And yes, the that. that she is doing has to do with making you think about what is your legacy. What yes. is that will be here long after you leave? Right? Yes. You're absolutely right, because when I really get to have conversations with the visionaries who I work with, it is almost always something that is bigger than uh, just the bottom line for them, but they have not had any practice at truly articulating that. It's something that, you know, we tend to keep to ourselves. There are, you know, uh, a billion people today who have, some unexpressed vision or unexpressed desire that they would like to see come to fruition in their lives, but they hold it dear to their heart and they don't even utter a word about it to anybody. Some people don't because they feel like it may jinx them. Other people don't because they don't maybe feel as if they deserve to have that thing or they don't even know how to make it happen. My goal is always to help them tap into what that thing is that's driving them at their core and then to say it out loud and believe that it can happen if it truly is meant for them. Absolutely. Wow. Awesome. And we're coming to the end of the show now. We've only got a few minutes left. Um, Akia, I, I did want you to go ahead and, and give your website information and your Twitter and talk just briefly, if you could, about the Twitter chat you do as well. Oh, uh, well, yeah, sure. So my website where people can find me online is masteryourbrand.com. Uh, they can also find me at my name, akiagarnett.com. That's my handle on Twitter, Akia Garnett. And I do do uh, two weekly tweet chats. One is called My Brand Chat. It's on Tuesday nights, and it focuses on the domestic marketplace. I have a different guest for the most part every week, and we focus on some topic that is really critical to the survival of small businesses, things like procurement, such as what – uh, Danny James was talking about earlier, an international, um, deciding if that's what you want to be able to do, if you want to go global, et cetera, similar to some of the things that Tomette was talking about earlier. And because I had been focusing on some things that were international, I decided that it was time for me to launch iBrand Chat, and the I stands for International Brand Chat. So my brand chat is on from 8 till 8.50, and iBrand Chat is on at 9.15 until 10.15 on Tuesday nights on Twitter. And uh, iBrandChat focuses on the global community and the things that you need to think about before you decide to explore any um, markets outside of the States. Um, again, they can find out that information on MasterYourBrand.com and also on AkiaGarnett.com. Okay, thank you. And quickly, Tomette, tell us a little bit about um, where people can get more information about what you're doing with Transcend. Transform to Transcend? Uh, yes. I, I would direct them to my business website, which is uh, tlherringassociates.com. And you can okay. go in there and the training options that you have and the various other things we're doing in industry. Oh, awesome, awesome. And um, we're, we're coming to the end of another great show. I wish we had more time, but this is all we've got. So uh, I just want to thank you all for um, sharing and coming on board and participating. I also want to thank our producer, Donna Hardiman, and I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. 
And um, before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. La, la, la.